just want to say greetings to my friends at Cornerstone Church. You know, I've been preaching here, I think, every year for the last 20 years. And, you know, that was when I was a young man, you know. And the one thing I really like about this church, Cornerstone, is that uh, I like the people. I love coming live and chatting with people, praying with people like Priscilla, chatting with Mark, Richard, uh, uh, some of the music people like Phil or Fern or the greeters like uh, Sheila, uh, and then the, the staff, uh, Pastor Terry and, and the rest of the people, Carlos. Can't see you live, but I wanna share this message with you during these very difficult times. Now, I gotta tell you that challenges and difficult challenges often throw a curve in our walk with God and also our emotional stability. Oftentimes we feel that somehow we are failures because something unforeseen happened. Now, challenges and unforeseen challenges aren't always bad. Take, for instance, for myself, during this uh, shelter in place, and now there's this uh, uh, fires, a uh, complex fires, and the air is really bad. You might think, oh, that must be very terrible on you, Jeff. Well, not really, because even though I've learned to be a public speaker and I've learned to greet people, I am basically an introvert at heart. So I recharge when I'm alone. So this is fun, actually more energetic, and I actually do more. Some challenges are beneficial to you. Other challenges may not be beneficial, but you can figure it out and it will be beneficial. What do you mean? Take for instance, this sermon and this video. You don't know, but this is the third time I'm taping this message. First time, the sound was no good, first time. Second time, there's glare on my glasses. The video wasn't look good, you know? I wanna look younger too, I don't wanna wear glasses, you know? And I have to wear glasses because that's my look, you know? That's my look, I, I, then I couldn't see. But you know what? You could work it out. Figured out how to do the sound. Gonna do some podcasting in the future. I realized I just ordered a preamp for the, my microphone from Amazon, good old Amazon, $39.95. And then um, Vincent told me that you gotta put my ring light far away as possible and angle it more, you know? So you don't get the glare. See, it, it's difficult. You know, I wish I didn't have to record this three times, but you know what, you learn things and if you put your nose to the proverbial grindstone, you get better. But some challenges are downright ornery, especially when they involve failure. Change that doesn't involve failure, that it's just the conditions of this uh, planet, of this earth, of California. Yeah, they're bad, but we can adjust because we don't take it personally. Yeah, but when you fail or it causes a division amongst friends, a separation, oh, wow, that's really, you take that to heart, okay? That really throws you for the proverbial loop. What do we do as believers when we come across these situations of failure and division, of breaking of friendships? Does it happen? What do we do about it? Well, the passage I've chosen is found in the book of Acts, and it's uh, chapter 15, and I'm going to read verse 36 on. It goes like this. 
And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return to every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how, uh, how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now, here's an interesting part, verse 39. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now, believe it or not, this was a really messy situation. In the book of Acts, usually the problems of the church was either, one, there was persecution from the outside. That's one of the themes in the book of Acts. Sometimes it was a theological question. Acts 15 will talk about the Jerusalem Council. This one was unusual because it was a disagreement and failure amongst leaders of the church. Some may think it should never happen. You pray about it, you know, come to agreement. No, 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 no. The, the, this, this was really messy, that it would not end that way, even though praying about it and come to consensus is always probably the best option. Why was this so messy? First, it involved the failure of Mark, John Mark. According to this text, Paul did not want to take him because he had withdrawn he had withdrawn in a missionary journey back in Acts 13, and Paul didn't want to take him. Now, what's interesting, there's nothing in the text in Acts 13 or in Acts 15 that tell us why John Mark left or abandoned them, because there's nothing written, and because Barnabas was open to receiving him back in the service and for the next missionary journey, uh, we can conclude it's not a moral failure, not a big moral failure. It was not a big theological era that he had. He just probably didn't have the stick to itness at this time, at his age, to complete the task. And you don't have to you have to understand this is a big failure because there's only three of them in this missionary journey. And this is the early church. I mean, how's the church gonna spread throughout the world, you know? One of the three that you bring decides that this this is not for me. I need to go home. Have you ever been in a situation that you wanted to do something for God and then you had these grandiose ideas and then you couldn't bring it to pass? Oh, sometimes you may say, well, I'm going to study the Bible more. And then after a few months, you don't study the Bible. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be in some ministry at Cornerstone at a, or another church. Oh, I'm now going to youth ministry. Only to realize that time, energy, or perhaps your own makeup, you, you, you couldn't carry it through, has great effect on ministry because you let people down. Okay, especially if you were in youth ministry or children's work. Other times we can fail because, you know, I think by default nature of human beings, we have a tendency to think larger than we can actually uh, fulfill. Make promises to people, promises to people we love, friends, and we don't carry through. 
This is what happened to John Mark. He failed. He couldn't carry through. But there's a second failure in this. And this was not really a failure. It was a division between the friendship between Barnabas and Paul. You see, in the early church, in the first half of the book of Acts, Barnabas and Paul were the team. They were the pairing. They were the dynamic duo, okay? Uh, Let's read about how they came to know each other. Let's look at Acts chapter 9. Here in verse 26, it reads like this. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. Now, who is he? He is Paul, who was known as Saul back then before he changed his name. Okay, and he had been a persecutor of persecutor of the church. But when he introduced himself, everyone's afraid of him. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. They thought he was a spy trying to infiltrate, ID people, have them arrested, executed. But verse 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. How this team begins is very interesting. Paul or Saul back then, no one wanted to touch except one person, Barnabas. The person who took a chance on you, who believed you, who believed what you were saying, who could see through the past and the fear and see the genuineness of the Spirit of God within you. But it's more than just Acts 9 and discovery of Paul by Barnabas. Two chapters later, verse 25. So Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Wow. One of the highlights of this passage was how I ended the reading. This was the first time believers in Christ were called Christians. And it was a result of Barnabas uh, taking Paul, known as Saul back then, under his wings, looking for him and co-ministering with him for a year. Imagine that. Not only does Barnabas discover Paul, or believe Paul when no one else would, Barnabas also mentors Paul and shares his ministry with him. Now, there's a final passage, and there's a lot of verses I'm going to read in this sermon. It's found in uh, Acts chapter 13. You've got to find it in my Bible. Here it is. Verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The first part of the place they go is they sail to Cyprus. That's in verse 4. Barnabas discovers Saul, a.k.a. Paul, Barnabas mentors 
Saul, a.k.a. Paul. And then the Holy Spirit puts the final seal of approval. I have chosen them, set them apart for the work that I have called them. No greater validation than this. So what happens, because of the failure of John Mark, this friendship spiritual team separates. Wow, that's, that's pretty bad, you know? That's like if you're music, that's like the Beatles breaking up, but this is the godly Beatles, you know? What happened? This stuff doesn't happen like that. Spiritual men don't uh, behave like that, uh, but we do. But we do. Have you ever uh, been in a friendship or been in a co-laboring with someone in some some project? Or, or is it could be yeah. Uh, uh, it could be like a boyfriend girlfriend marriage, you know. And then it's like doesn't work, you know. You feel like a failure. Take it really personally. I've been in four different ministries as a, a pastor three times. I'm a pastor now, and I was a seminary professor once. That's four times. I, was, I lived in, uh, I grew up in New York City, as many of you know. Uh, I uh, studied in Dallas, Texas. My first pastorate was in Chicago for six years. Then I pastored in the great city of San Francisco for 19. Then I was a seminary professor for 10 to 12 years, you know, 10 years full-time, two years part-time. And now I'm a pastor in uh, Palo Alto area, Okay. I'll tell you something. Even though each ministry I learned something, not always I could say that the, uh, I, I left always with this greatest feeling of like moving forward. You had friends, you had people that you had to sever relationships with. Sometimes I moved because I wasn't that happy, okay? And that's what happens in life and what happens in ministry. And this is what was happening between Barnabas and Paul. A ministry called by the Spirit goes sour. I think it's happened to all of us at some time in life. But there's a third aspect of this passage that makes it very messy. And it involves the connection between... um, John Mark and Barnabas himself. Here it says in the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 10, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes, welcome him. Mark, who is the cousin of Barnabas. Now, I've got to tell you something, that Mark is a common name in the time of Christ. So was John and Joseph, you know. But because uh, there is no real, like, um, extra description of this Mark, besides the fact that he was uh, Barnabas's cousin, and you tie all the other verses of Mark and Barnabas, most people believe that this cousin, Mark, is the person named in Acts 15, which means one of the reasons could be that Barnabas stood stood up and said, I want to help John Mark, is that uh, his cousin. They might have grew up together, okay? That makes really a mess. 
one thing to have problems. Another thing for the problem to revolve around a relative of one of the people involved. You could say, well, you say it's nepotism. You say you're not really, you're, you're, you're willing to, to, to sacrifice this just for your flesh and blood. And you know what? If that ever happened to you, you feel even worse. But you know, that's a natural thing. Always have um, affinity to close relatives that you grew up with. I don't know. I always feel protective of my daughters, of my grandchildren, of, you know, I always will. And I don't think it's uh, something I could get, ever get rid of, okay? But you know how messy it is. Now, so with this mess, what are we to do as believers in Jesus Christ to climb out of this hole or to get up and over this trial or this challenge? Well, first, I want to tell you certain things we don't want to do. You don't want to give up, okay? Because I could see when this happens and that which is so great falls apart, you could be like, you know, John and say, you know what? I gave it a chance. You know, I, I, spent, some, I spent some time following Jesus. And Jesus is not for me, you know? Or you could take it very personally, maybe between Barnabas and Paul. Ah, I knew you weren't really a friend. You were a user, you know? And you write people off. You take it personally. Or you give up, you see? But this is not the lesson we want to learn from this passage. It is not what the scriptures reveal, what happens to John, Mark, what happens to Barnabas, and what happens to Paul. What can we learn from them? There are four lessons I'm going to bring up. I was going to put like five, but four lessons. Three of them from the people who are involved in four. The fourth one revolves around the, the great um, perspective of God and the goal of God in all of this. The first one is the perspective of Barnabas. Barnabas, uh, not only the cousin of uh, John Mark, but... Uh, Interestingly, I'm going to read a passage in the book of Acts because Acts has a lot about Barnabas. In Acts chapter 4, here's an interesting verse. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. Now here's an interesting fact. Barnabas is not his original name. The original name's Joe. But the apostles called him Barnabas because of one outstanding characteristic he exhibited in his walk with Jesus, which was his ability to encourage people. We'll call you the encourager. That's who you are. Forget about Joe. That's too common. Your new name is the encourager. And the encourager Barnabas always in the book of Acts plays and fulfills his new name, his new alias. He was the encourager of Saul, who becomes Paul. He becomes the encourager of John Mark, who fails. You know what? 
That's who Barnabas is. And this is a really important lesson because sometimes we fail and we sometimes people fail around us and it's like, oh, our ministry or what we do is left in ashes. Sometimes it's a job that you lost. Sometimes you move to a new area. Sometimes, you know, something happens and you get ill and you have to take time off. Sometimes it's a ministry like myself and you have to, I have to been in four ministries in my decades of service to God. The lesson we can learn from Barnabas is that for some of us, the next step to overcome, to get over, up and over, is to understand your giftedness. Never deny your giftedness and always find guidance and strength in your giftedness. You see, Barnabas knew something. He would never fulfill that mission that Paul had placed in front of him in Acts chapter 15 to go to the cities and strengthen them. He can't do that. He can never have the tie with Paul in the short period to come. But for Barnabas, it is not geography, it is not specific people, but it was to be true to his giftedness, which was to encourage. Barnabas would always encourage. That's who he is. So let's say you are changing jobs, moving out of the area because, uh, you know, California is just really expensive. And, you know, there's no all the amenities of living in California of going out and then, you know, and, and eating. And, and you know, you, you can't do that now. So why are you why are you spending the money? You might as well go home, you know, and uh, you, could, you could be at home and save uh, half the money, you know. What do you do when you have to make change like that? The question I would ask is, what is your giftedness? What is it that you love doing because you feel that is how God created you or empowered you to do? Do it. And don't think that geography or relationships is the sole defining factor in whether you are a success or a failure. Take for, for me. I was teaching seminary. I was a full-time professor. And then a church asked me whether I would join their staff. And, you know, I, 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 I thought a little bit, but I didn't think much. You know why? Because being a pastor is my natural giftedness. I love doing it, you know. You always want to do that. What is it that God has called you to be? What is it that God has called you to do, okay? Maybe by Barnabas, learn from him. But you can also learn from John Mark himself. Now, what can we learn from John Mark? Interesting thing. John Mark is, um, when he takes uh, the, I would say, the offer by Barnabas to team up with him, Barnabas takes John Mark and the first place they sail to is Cyprus. Now, that's a very interesting place because according to the text, uh, I think it was in Acts 4, Barnabas is from Cyprus. What is also interesting in Acts 13, when they are on this missionary journey with the three, John, Mark, Barnabas, and Paul, they set sail to Cyprus. So it's a very interesting place. It's the beginning of the failure for John Mark, but it is also the place of... uh, Familiarity for Barnabas, 
best of all worlds, I would say, a very wise move. Go back to the beginning of the scene, but go with someone who is going to probably, we're gonna stay here a little longer, you know. This is my territory. This is my homeland, okay? This is where we're going to minister. We're not gonna be traveling around. So John Mark had to somehow come to grips with this, get up, do over again what he had failed in a different way and develop and grow as a minister in Jesus Christ. And uh, one of the great things that many people think and this is basically through some passages, through the, through the relationship of Peter with John Mark's family, and also through tradition and by the church fathers. Many believe that this John Mark, who abandoned Paul and Barnabas, wrote the Gospel of Mark. And many believe it was the very first gospel ever written. Imagine that. The first ministry you do is a failure, but you grow and you develop into something that is lasting. He writes one of the books of the Bible. He describes in a very, in probably the shortest of the gospels, the life ministry and teaching of Jesus Christ. You see, some of us, when we face shortcomings or challenges or trials, we can look to our giftedness and continue. Others have to dust ourselves off, look at what we did and grow and develop as people and as believers in Jesus Christ. The failure involves you. This is what you need to do. Because one thing I know about our Lord, every failure can be a door to uh, growth, a purification of our faith. We always learn from our mistakes. That's one of the hallmarks of the believer, you see? Because Jesus Christ oversees us, we're given the spirit, and there's always a positive way up in Christ. So maybe at this time you're feeling really low. Hmm anxiety, sadness, depression, uncertainty really is part of uh, the American psyche now. And maybe it affects your walk with God because churches cannot meet live. There's no singing, there's no communion, there's no live uh, sermons. You feel a little isolated. I'll tell you something. Don't feel that this is something that's gonna knock you out. We can always grow in Christ, even to levels we had never imagined. Now, the third person involved in this is Paul. And uh, Paul is very, very interesting because what Paul does is he picks up uh, another co-worker by the name of Silas. And according to the text, he goes on the mission that he had uh, presented to Barnabas in the beginning of Acts chapter 15, which was to go to the cities and strengthen uh, the churches where they had been. And according to the text, verse 41, that is exactly what they 
did. So what can we learn about getting over our shortcomings from the life of Paul? If the first lesson is Barnabas, understand our giftedness. Second, to get up and develop like Mark. The third one, and some of you may fit Paul. Paul never forgot what the Spirit gave him as a mission. This is what we need to do. We need to go back to the cities and strengthen them. And even though the team splits up, Paul never loses sight of the goal and of the ministry that he is burdened to, to do. You see, all three do different things. One is true to its giftedness. Another develops Paul continues his ministry, what his goal was. Now, this is a very, very important lesson that Paul gives us. Because not all challenges mean, oh, I got, mean I got to do something else. One of the reasons I love uh, preaching at Cornerstone is, is Pastor Terry. I think Pastor Terry retired, I would stop preaching at Cornerstone, you know. The reason is, is Pastor Terry is a veteran pastor in the city of San Francisco. And I pastored almost 20 years in the city of San Francisco. And I know the ups and I know the downs. I saw the dot-com boom. I saw the dot-com bust. I saw the high-tech boom. And I'm seeing the exodus of people now in the Bay Area because, um, you know, why pay the rent if you can't enjoy the city that much? But through it all, Pastor Terry has endured because he has a mission. And we are not deterred, and we do not give up our mission in Jesus Christ. There's an important lesson for us all. Sometimes things change, and, you know, we can find our giftedness, we can grow, and sometimes it's like, you know, you know, what I prayed about, you know, I got to continue doing what I'm doing, you know? Even though it's a difficult time, I have to continue what I'm doing. That's kind of what you got to do in the ministry in San Francisco now. And in the United States, where live church services are not really that um, available, you got to keep doing what you do and not give up hope and not lose sight of the mission. You know, oftentimes failure comes and we just want to give up. That's not the lesson of Paul. Well, there's a final one, and that's the fourth lesson, and that's the overall uh, uh, goal of God for everybody. And I chose a passage from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Luke alone is with me, me being Paul, okay? Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. And that's all I'm going to read. One verse. But what's interesting is Paul is writing his uh, young protege, Timothy. And he tells Timothy, you know what? Bring Mark. He's useful. He's a great guy. He's a benefit. You know, for some of us, we'd say to Timothy, 
And one person you never bring back, I never want to see his face again, is that guy Mark, because he abandoned us. You see, that's natural, man. But because Paul is true and he understands the grace of God, even someone who disappointed him so greatly that it tore apart the team. Oh, there is grace in God to always restore to always reconcile. Now, it doesn't always work out that way, but it's the heart of the gospel that beats within Paul. He never gives up his mission. He never gives up on the grace of God because even though failure may involve people and persons, he will always understand the grace of God. I'll tell you, means you never can close the door on anybody because you never take it personally. Not because he's sort of, sort of like convincing himself, look at the bright side. No, 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 not that. It's because he knows that he himself was not someone worthy of a second chance. Not before Jesus, not before Barnabas. And that he must bestow the same sort of graciousness to John Mark. What a great end of this story. Now, where are you in life at this time? Probably a lot of challenges. No one, I think in America, or very few has been left unscathed emotionally, economically, socially, spiritually by what's happening. I'll tell you something, don't give up, find your way, understand that these things come, understand the grace of God, utilize your giftedness, develop and never forget the mission. May God give grace to his word. It's been a great time preaching to my iPhone, even though I'm giving this message to my friends at Cornerstone. God bless you at this time. All right, how good was that? What a blessing, thank you, Jeff. Um, you know, I don't know what part of this uh, message uh, most resonated with you, but I would encourage, encourage all of us to consider embracing something. If we felt like the Lord was prompting us to, to hold it, to not just let it pass, but sit with it through the week. Yes. Um, this is also the time when, because in a minute we're going to be sharing a song. It's actually called Breakthrough, which is what I think God wants to do in all of our lives at this time, for sure. But um, I do remind everybody about our, our giving time, and you've been an amazing church. I, I just have nothing to say but um, positive things about the way that the church has rallied. I do want to remind you that um, you can give in our traditional way. You can send it into the office. You can give through the website or like I do on our app, but whatever works. Um, we just want to say, you know, we're in this together. We're making this journey together and we're going to experience breakthrough together. Keep that in mind. I'm going to come back around and share a final blessing, but here we go.
shake the mountains, break the walls apart, open the heavens. Almighty God, you are overcomer, defender of my heart. By your power, the oceans open wide, your fire falls down, heaven and earth collide, King Jesus, forever by my side. Shake the mountains, break the That's what we desire, Lord, breakthrough. We're thankful. We're so thankful because you're so good and you're so God and we want to so good and we want to so God. My prayer for you is do not be weary in well-doing. No, come on. 
In due time, we shall reap if we do not faint. We have better days ahead by faith in Jesus. Let's do this. I know the waters may get rough in different ways. That's true. But we're together and the Lord is with us. So may the Lord keep you in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. I really pray that for you all and for me too. In Jesus' name, be blessed for you are greatly loved.